0: we got the alternative energy right? Right. And we kill our free autonomy we
1: and well, welcome
2: we got- to the radioactive show produced at the
3: studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network hello and welcome to the radioactive show. I'm Michaela, and on today's show, we'll speak with Dr. Alison Bronowski from Australians for War Powers Reform, which is part of the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network, about the B-52 bombers that the US is planning to station at Tyndall RAF Base in the Northern Territory. Whilst the B-52 bombers were announced in October last year, it wasn't till Senate estimates on the 16th of February that it was revealed that the Australian public would never know whether these aircraft were carrying nuclear weapons or not because of the US policy of warhead ambiguity, which means that they neither confirm nor deny whether any military equipment is nuclear armed or not. So we'll be chatting with Dr. Brunowski about the implications. But First up on the program, we'll hear Jason Bilney, Director of the Bangala Determination Aboriginal Corporation, speaking with Gunai Kernai broadcaster Robbie Thorpe on Banjo's Fire about the federal court case that will begin on Monday, 6th of March and seeks to overturn the federal ministerial declaration selecting Napandee near Kimber in South Australia on the lands of the Bangala people as the proposed site for a nuclear waste facility.
2: On Community Radio 3CA, I've got a very special guest on the line, none other than Jason Bilney from the Bangala Determination Aboriginal Corporation. Thanks for coming on, man.
4: Yeah, yeah, thanks for the first.
2: You've got a court case coming up with the federal court... Surrounding this um, nuclear waste dump on your country at Kimber. Yep. Uh, give us a bit of a lowdown and what do you expect to come out of this case? What do you got lined up here? I see you're up against it. you got you're up against the Commonwealth lawyers, you know, all, of, all the resources they have against uh, your claims. So let us know what's happening and how we can help, brothers. Yep, no, we'll sort of,
4: you know, we're uh, bungled. We've been fighting life for 21 years. we are about one of two groups in South Australia that's got a determination, a full determination, not a consent determination, and six months after coming out of that, then we're fighting to stop our nuclear waste dump building in our country. We've been to Canberra, done a couple of trips to Canberra, went over when the government at the moment was in opposition and built a relationship, and then they've now it's they've changed the government, the Labor, and it doesn't look good for Labor when, you know, they talk about the statement from the heart, Uluru, and writing us into the Constitution, and yet they're breaking a First Nation's heart. And putting a nuclear waste dump in our country when they could have just pulled the you know pull the nuclear waste dump. Were they were the they waste.
2: supporting you before they got into power?
4: Yes, they supported us, and we stopped. They supported us, and we stopped what you call judicial review. They try to take the umpire to the fourth quarter of a football match, and everybody's right to question the government's process. And they try to take it out, and we fought hard, long and hard in and Canberra, and we got judicial review put back in there, and with the support of like Labor, the Independents, the Greens, and. One Nation as well, and and so it went through, and then there's change of government, and you think the government will pull it, like, you know, Labor, but they haven't pulled it, and you know, we're fighting, we've been fighting the whole time, and now we have our court case coming up on the 6th of March, and for judicial review, the process that went through was excluded as, under white man's law, rateable property, even though all the native title holders, and we won it through court, it took us 21 years to you know, win, win our court case, so we go to court on the 6th of March, and I'm um, it's been a long, hard battle, and like you said, Bros, um, you know we've we've been outspent. You know, ten to one, and you know, ten to one. They're spent. We have, you know, probably four lawyers and three barristers, and then they've got triple that. So they've got, you know, it's, it's a numbers game. So they try and make you, and not be scared in federal court with the higher numbers of lawyers and barristers. But we're and, gonna and wear
2: you down too. Try to wear you down, and
4: yeah, try and wear us down. And we've been and divide them your mob, year. and uh, yeah. T-
2: so, so is, I see that uh, the, the non original farmers are on side as well. That's uh, interesting. Um, that you got uh, non original support there. I think that can go a long way. And uh, are, are you confident about what may happen here?
4: Yeah, together we together we stand divided. Before we stand with the farmers, the farmers stand with us, which is you know, which is a good thing. Which which is pushing you know, pushing the boundaries and pushing the government. And I'm a hundred percent that we that we are going to win and. You know, we're going to take this all the way, like we, have, like we have done. We've been through court under the Racial Discrimination Act, lost that. We've got to just review, put back in, and now, we're, you know, we're going to fight. We're going to fight hard. And, you know, it's all we to seem to be
2: doing, fight, And, and a lot of resources going into these fights just to defend our basic fundamental human rights in our own country, you know. A lot of expense... But we have to do it. We have to fight. If we don't fight, we lose. Right? So, yeah,
4: that's it. We stand up and fight for our rights, and fight for our people, and fight not just for our people, but also all Indigenous people. We stand as one as Indigenous people. We've been here for over sixty thousand years, and there's tangible and intangible. Even though they say there's there's no sites there's sites on that well, within that site, well, you know, there's it's, it's what you call tangible and intangible. It's and what are they a
2: story knowing, right. anyway?
4: They'll say yeah, anything. And, yeah, they'll say anything. But it's about fighting and basically. Fighting for our rights and standing up to the government, not being pushed over and railroaded like We
2: always do. So, why have they come up with this site? Why, why that site? And what effects will it have on the, the water and, and the environment? It's, you
4: know, they've picked this site. They've lost, it, you know, they've, they've lost it up in from you know, for the First Nations people. They try to put it in Muckaty, in northern, northern territory. They lost that. They try to put it in Wallabadina. On the country, they lost that, and now we're fighting as bungalow, you know, to stop it and be built on our country. We don't want it. And even then, we're suffering the effects. We're still suffering the effects of the atomic bomb, which is set up in the 60s on Maralinga.
2: Where's Maralinga in relationship to Kimber?
4: Maralinga's... Well, Maralinga will be probably around about 400 k's to the northwest.
2: Okay. So it's still, you know, you, you you're definitely in the range there because, you know, that, that's... That for that. It's blowing all over Australia anyway. But years are much closer than we are here. Yeah, and I
4: mean, even then you're over you're over in uh, New South Wales, right?
2: Eh? No, Victoria. Um, Victoria.
4: Victoria. Well, you think about it. Victoria. Well, you think of um, New South Wales. You know, they're going to kick the can down the road. They spent six hundred and eighty million dollars to upgrade Anside in Sydney to, st- to store nu- you know nuclear waste for another fifty years, and they want to make band-aid solution and take it halfway across the country. without even and you know consultation with any other First Nations people, let alone any other you know any other community. And they put a 20k exclusion zone around Kimber. Find somewhere permanent with broad community support from Indigenous and non-Indigenous people.
2: So how do they get the uh, this waste to that facility? Is it's got to travel for everyone's country, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, it's going to go for everyone's country. It's going to be uh, it's going to be truck, It's either going to be trucked from Sydney straight across to the middle of Australia, or it's going to be shipped from from Sydney from Sydney back into. Back into most of the Port Adelaide, because you know they can't get it through any other port because part of our Indigenous land use agreement. We was more smarter than that. We put we put that clause in there so if any nuclear waste dump comes through those three ports we negotiated, it, it, it avoids the um, Indigenous land use agreement.
2: So they they're saying it's low level stuff, but you you see what happened. They reckon that thing that fell off the back of the truck in Western Australia it was only just a minute little thing, but it was it was deemed to be pretty dangerous. So what sort of how, how do we know what we're, they're talking about? Low level radiation. Yeah, it's well, long term. I, I don't believe none of what they say. But. No, no, none of the,
4: none of what they say. They say it's low. They say it's low level, but then there's all, also intermediate. And intermediate once it goes overseas and then comes back, it comes back high level. But they make it intermediate to Australia standards. Not forgetting that all the nuclear spent rods that come out of Sydney Sydney Nuclear Heights goes overseas, gets broken down, and then comes back to Australia to be stored. And then every Ten years to bring the liquid. There's a ship worth of liquid sitting
2: oh, God.
4: over in Sydney, waiting to become, you know, to come to find somewhere to store it. And even then, you know, it only takes, you know, it's an earthquake-prone area as well. Only takes one earthquake, rips the ground open, gets into the water table to store it. Train crash. Stores. Yeah, yeah. Train crash and ship 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 turns over in yeah, your, in your to water there. Our water destroys our destroys our resources. It's about protecting and preserving. We fought for our rights. Of to get our land back, and
2: now we, you know, and then we've still got to fight. Yeah, it's going to be. It looks like it's going to be never ending. You know, they, they're digging this stuff out of our ground without permission too. You know, they're just s- stealing the resources, making a hell of a mess, creating a toxic uh, minefield out there for everyone. It's not just Aboriginal people. We're aware what this stuff does to our people and our lands. Out these mining companies, and they're you know waste facilities is another story isn't it we don't um what else have they been doing out there that we don't know you know where did all the clean up from Maralinga go what happened to that waste
4: yeah and even then look at the British done back then the you know well on my other side of the family you know being a part of that area they, they you know they had to take all that contaminated soil over to Amer- over to England because the British come back and cleaned it up but they didn't clean the three biggest sites up people were getting sick so they had to come back and you know, at no cost and clean it up. But where did all that stuff go? And how long does it
2: store for? Yeah, yeah how do we, we know them? what they're doing? That's pretty dangerous. And you know, you know people—if the wrong people got their hands on that
4: stuff—yeah, what about you know, terrorists people, grabbing uh, people, that stuff? Yeah, and pe- people getting—you know—people getting sick from cancers, and you know, like we've gone for a generation and generation in the last so many years of people just simply just getting cancers. Yeah, about cancer. it's, it's horrible, cancer. bros. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah it is. and. and when it's destroyed and what they don't understand, it's Mother Earth, our country. Once yep. you can t- once you, once mum gets sick, we all get sick.
2: That's true. Right. Yeah, we're I mean. all
4: connected we're all connected. Flora, fauna and, and us as indigenous people, we're all connected. We're
2: and all every country. bit of our land is important. There's not one bit of a land that's not important. Not one one square inch is not important in the whole scheme of things, the holistic way we look at land. It is our mother. There's nothing that's not important about our mother. So, you know, when are these people going to understand? Um, h- how can we help here? A
4: couple of million people. Days.
2: They only need one dollar to chuck into your, your legal fighting fund. You know, make it a bit of a, give you a fighting yeah, chance. And as, as a as a you know said, you know we've
4: got a um, fund GoFundMe for Kimber.
2: Okay, GoFundMe. Just is it spelled B A R N G A R L A? B A R N G A R L A. Yep,
4: Bungalara
2: family page help, help bungala have a in kimba all right so keep, keep an eye on um, is it going to be in, in canberra this court case or do you, is it going to be in it's no
4: it's going to be in it's
2: going to be in Adelaide in the federal court okay we're talking to Jason Bilney from the bungala determination aboriginal corporation His um, chairperson and um, struggling to uh, fend off these uh, nuclear waste dumps you know, why don't they dump it in their own, you know, where they are, and dump it in uh, Canberra somewhere? Don't yeah, know. but that's yeah. Go that's on, they Ross. put it in Canberra, <laughs> and we
4: also got a petition as well. as uh, no dump on our country bungalow
2: on on or Okay, tell me that again. Don't is it called? Don't dump on our country. Don't
4: dump on our country bungalow.
2: Okay. I'm pretty sure people will be in touch with you, brothers. There's a lot of good supporters here at Community Radio, CR, And, um, you know, we've always had a, a a keen interest in what's happening, particularly around the nuclear waste stuff uh, and, the, and the uranium industry and, and the mining industry. FreeCR has always had a, a, an interest in that. And tr- trying to support people on the ground, independents, and fighting for their country, people fighting for their country. So... Hope it all goes well. Is there any last things you might mind wanna mention that um well, we need to know? No, I reckon we basically
4: summed it all up. All right. And I'll brothers. send you and I'll send you the petition link and you can put it up on your page and get it out there a bit more.
2: Definitely will. And uh let us know. Uh if 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 you need to use this media out, outlet for any reason. And um give us a call. Uh either way, which way it goes. or yep. Contact us again, we'll contact you. Yep, no worries.
4: Thank you. All right,
2: you and thank all right you Jace, all thanks listening. mate for coming on. Okay. I'll talk yep. to you again no soon. Worries. Cheers. Bye bye. Jason Bilney with issues of uh nuclear waste. It's gonna be you know, this is gonna be an issue in the future, folks. So you know, let's get our head around it and what we're gonna do about it now. You know, we're gonna this is when it's time to fight is right now. We've got no other voice until we get on the street and use it. We know what it's all about, folks. You know, this, this struggle, our struggle has been going on for a while. Things haven't changed too much.
3: You're tuned to the Radioactive Show, produced in the studios of 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation and broadcast across the continent thanks to the Community Radio Network. And we heard their... Bungalini, Robbie Thorpe, speaking on his show Bungal's Fire on Wednesday, the 1st of March with Jason Bilney, director of the Bangala Determination Aboriginal Corporation. And as he said there, things really haven't changed that much. We've seen successive government for over the last 20 years continue to push ahead with these proposals to try to impose a radioactive waste dump on unwilling First Nations peoples far away from the site where it is being created. And it really is time to change the way that we are doing things and the Anti-nuclear movement continues to call for an independent inquiry to develop a proper process for dealing with these extremely long-lived toxic wastes. We know that in the short term, they continue to be safely stored at Lucas Heights, where they're created, where there's the expertise to best monitor them. In Senate estimates, on the 16th of February, the Australian Nuclear Science and Technology Organisation chief executive admitted that there was no evidence for his claims that he made last year that production of nuclear medicine would stop if the dump in South Australia didn't go ahead. Further to that, the Australian Radioactive Waste Agency also confirmed that there were no obstacles to the ongoing safe storage of the waste at Lucas Heights. So let's stop this ridiculous behavior and move to a new approach. In the meantime, please support the Bangala. They are in the courts from the 6th of March. The most important thing is to spread the word, let people know what is happening. And they've also got a petition at change.org. Just search for no dump on our country Bangala. And to stay up to date with the campaign, if you're on Facebook, you can join the groups Bangala Nation or No Dump Alliance. In the last year, the federal government has spent around $2 million. So that's about $40,000 a week working against the Bangala people. And it has cost uh, Norman Waterhouse, the legal firm that is representing the Bangala Around $500,000 in fees so far for the litigation. As you can imagine, there's a lot of other costs around the court case. Please, if you can throw in any funding towards their campaign, that would be absolutely wonderful. They're a quarter of a way to their $100,000 target. So to find their GoFundMe, just search for Help Bangla Stop Kimber waste dump in court. We will post all those links on our webpage 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. So now let's go to my discussion with former Australian diplomat and author of 14 books about Australia's dealings with the world, Dr. Alison Bronowski. In October last year, it was revealed that the U.S. had budgeted $23 million to build facilities for B-52 bombers at the Tyndall Air Base south of Darwin for use in the dry season, and that was already obviously quite concerning to the peace movement. But in the Senate estimates in February, it was revealed that the Australian government respected a US policy of neither confirming or denying that these B-52 bombers could be carrying nuclear weapons. I know that was a bit of a shock to a lot of people, but was that something that was surprising to you or was it expected?
1: Well, I'm not sure... Say- Our movement, Australians for War Powers Reform, was as much taken aback as most other Australians outside the secret circuits in Canberra um, by this announcement. On the other hand, it's not a new thing for the United States to do this. They've been doing it in Japan for decades against Japanese opposition, I might say, but that never gets anywhere. The people of Okinawa protest regularly about American bases with nuclear uh, elements in them uh, and nothing happens. And what happens, the tradition in Japan is called neither confirm nor deny. In other words, if the Americans refuse to confirm or deny that they have nuclear weapons there, the Japanese government accepts tacitly that um, perhaps they're not there. And so they don't say anything. Now, it's clear that what is happening here is Australia, our government, has agreed to a similar formulation and a similar um, sort of nod and wink uh, approach to this question. There are two ways in which we need to be concerned about this. One is that we were told originally that they would be um, transiting Australia. American uh, weaponry and aircraft and troops and ships and all this would be transiting Australia. Now we discover that they are going to be what they call stationed. And it's only, quote, in the dry season. Now, this is just a death by a thousand cups. They are there. It is an American base. They are under American command, not Australian command, and this is the second aspect, and the worst of it. They, because they are under American command, will do whatever their American commanders are told by Washington to do. In other words, nothing that Canberra says will have any control over how these planes and these weapons are used. And as a result of that, and here's the third thing, Australia could make itself, because these planes can be launched from here with nuclear weapons on them, if the Americans so choose, Australia could be making itself a nuclear target. Or, say, China, who doesn't want to be attacked by American planes from anywhere, or buy nuclear weapons from anywhere, and would rather take them out than have that happen, and would rather take them out in Australia than get into a land war across the Pacific with the, with the United States. And so Australia becomes a sort of a proxy target in a war that we haven't provoked, that the Americans have provoked, and that the Chinese don't want. Um, with our
3: major trading partners. Those reasons are why it's so serious. Yeah. And the tone of the remarks made about it by Defence Minister Miles who said uh, that America maintains a policy of ambiguity in terms of the nature of the assets that are on their planes and they do so as to amplify their extended nuclear deterrence, seem to suggest that, yeah, that the government is really supporting this approach and very comfortable and happy to sit under that.
1: That's what Mr. Miles says. I don't know if the Australian public is comfortable and happy with that. I mean, they've been telling us for decades that America has kept the peace in East Asia, and they've done that, if they've done that at all. They've done that without having nuclear weapons in Australia. And now suddenly in order to peace, or in order to quote, deter some country, which of course is China, uh, from, from attacking us, we have to have nuclear weapons here. I mean, we have been perfectly okay without them for a very long time. And China as well, unlike the United States, has a policy of no first use. Now, One wouldn't want to provoke any nuclear state into changing that, but at least they do have that. And they wouldn't, according to their uh, policy, they wouldn't attack unless they were themselves attacked. So what are these here for? Are they here for deterrence or are they here
3: for aggression? Yeah. And... I had another question, which is about the South Pacific Nuclear Free Zone Treaty, which Australia signed in 1985. Now, that prohibits member states stationing nuclear explosive devices in their territories. And there seems to be some fairly loose interpretation by the Australian government. Is there a lot of room for interpretation, or do you think... The Australian government is taking quite a lot of liberties in approaching it in this way.
1: Well, anyone who wants to familiarise themselves with the SPINFIS Treaty, it's been around for a very long time. Australia signed it in uh, with goodwill with our South Pacific neighbours at a time when everybody was concerned to establish nuclear-free zones all around the world, hoping that they would eventually join up together and that would create a nuclear-free world. We used to have, if you remember, nuclear-free cities in Australia. You'd see signs. This is a nuclear-free town, or whatever it was. Now, people seem, strangely enough, to have given up on that in recent times. And the propaganda effort to make that happen has been deliberate and relentless, and it's gone on for a very long time. And the people who want, a, to sell heaps of weapons, and B, to have us all armed to the teeth, have been working on this slowly and steadily, so as not to alarm anybody. But it is very alarming. And the SPINFIS Treaty is one of the efforts by which we tried to stop that process. There's another one. And, well, in fact, two. One is the Treaty of and Cooperation in Southeast Asia. To which Australia is a, t- a signatory, and so I might add, is the United States and China and Russia. So, the, the Treaty for Amity and Cooperation in Southeast Asia says that we, that the parties who are signatories to it, will not threaten or use force against each other. The same thing it its it, actually word for word from the UN Charter. Of 1945 so it's not new it's been around for a very long time and as I say it has quote kept the peace or at least kept the nuclear peace ever since then and so for Australia to simply ignore those treaties walk away from them as if they don't exist and say because of some uh, we refuse to comment line, we refuse to deny or confirm about nuclear weapons being here. They are themselves threats and threats to use force. They are threats of aggression. And we ought not, in the spirit of those treaties, to have such things. And we go around the South Pacific countries telling them what they ought to be doing about their defence. We don't set them a very good example. We have told them years and years before that we all need to sign up for these ways of keeping great power aggression out of our region. And they all agree, and the ASEANs particularly remain adamant about that and no basis on their territory, I might add. And we just completely fly in the face of what we used to say. And sadly, It used to be Labour government mainly who said these things. And now Labour seems to have gone weak at the knees or is being led in a very aggressive direction by some of its ministers.
3: Yes. And I think additionally to that, we saw that when they were in opposition, certainly Albanese and many others in the Labour Party indicated that they would... Support signing on to the United Nations Treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, and now we're seeing all these moves in the opposite direction, despite the fact that the IPAN report on the People's Inquiry into the US alliance indicate that still the majority of Australians want to sign on to that treaty and oppose nuclear weapons,
1: yeah, well unfortunately they will tell you that they that our government is a democracy, but it totally it and its predecessors have totally disregarded such things as the IPAN inquiry that you just mentioned and others, where quite well informed and thoughtful people from the grassroots have put a lot of effort over several years into getting up these statements that show what ordinary Australians think about these things. And as you said, they are totally opposed to the idea of nuclear weapons in Australia or indeed anywhere else, but this is our business. They are totally uh, in favour of the notion that we need to reform the way Australia goes to war, which is what my organisation tries to do. And they are totally opposed to the idea that we should lock ourselves into enmity with China, that the Chinese do not reciprocate, have tried quite hard to draw us back from, and which, because we now seem to take all of our writing instructions from Washington, people in government in Canberra simply do not listen. And it's sad because at the May election, the people were, I think Australians were pleased to feel that at last some of their concerns had been listened to, and they were, but they were mostly to do with domestic policy. They weren't to do with foreign affairs and defence. Foreign affairs and defence remain absolutely in the pocket of the US alliance.
3: Thank you so much for joining us on the Radioactive Show. Is there any other information that you wanted to share with us?
1: Well, if people are interested, Australians for War Powers Reform is doing whatever we can to bring about change in this area. You can find out about us on our website, www.warpowersreform.org.au. Thanks a lot.
3: Thank you so much, Alison. My pleasure. That was Dr. Alison Bronowski. And if you want to connect with the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network, the website is ipan.org.au and and if you're as outraged as we are, join the Call for Peace Truth Not War rally at the State Library. That's on the 18th of March, 1 p.m. at the State Library in the Melbourne CBD, organized by the Victorian Anti-Orcus Coalition. So many different organizations involved with that. As always, we'll post all the links to what we've talked about on today's show in the podcast notes, and you can find our podcast at 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive, or on your favourite podcast app. The Radioactive Show is supported by the Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth Melbourne. Collective coordinator Sana has some invitations to upcoming events.
0: Yeah, so the Nuclear Free Collective at Friends of the Earth have got some exciting events coming up. First of all, as part of the Sustainable Living Festival on Saturday, 25th of February, we're holding a nuclear and climate change forum and that will be run by Dr. Jim Green at 1pm Melbourne time online and second, the face-to-face meetings are back after a couple of years of not having been able to organize face-to-face meetings because of the pandemic. Every third Wednesday of the month, from 6 to 8 p.m. at Friends of the Earth in Collingwood. So that's 312 Smith Street and it's upstairs above the co-op. The next one is on Wednesday the 15th of March. We look forward to seeing more people help out and support the fight against the nuclear industry. And the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance, uh, ANFA, is holding their annual meeting on March 25th and 26th which we will be visiting doing a small red trip and we're looking at taking a couple of cars or a minibus up to Adelaide on the 23rd which is a Thursday um, of March and then visiting Ampha and from there I'm going to visit the proposed nuclear waste dump in Kimba and coming back in late afternoon evening of Tuesday, the 28th of March. So if anyone wants to come along with that, please check out the Friends of the Earth website for that. And we'll be very keen to hook you up and have you come on this very special place. It's really a solidarity trip where people come and listen and help out. So give a shout out if you're interested in coming along.
3: That was Sana, Nuclear Free Collective Coordinator at Friends of the Earth Melbourne. To connect with the campaign, you can go to au forward slash nuclear or find Nuclear Free Collective Friends of the Earth Melbourne on social media. And thanks so much to the Community Radio Network for getting this show out to community radio stations across the country. The radioactive show was produced in the studios of 3CR on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation. And thanks so much for listening, and please join us again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.